Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Finsider Radio, The Jake and Josh Show is SB Nation's official podcast about your Miami Dolphins. Check out Finsider.com for more Miami Dolphins content and be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with us on Twitter. Jake can be found at jmendel94. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or just house. The show is made possible by Dolphins everywhere, so be sure to rate and comment, share your thoughts, and let us know how we are doing. Now, let's get on with the show. Well, we said it was going to be a bad game, and the Miami Dolphins got knocked over the head by Jonathan Taylor and the Indianapolis Colts in a 27-17 loss at Hard Rock Stadium, where the Miami Dolphins are outscored by 10 points and are currently winsless. To make matters worse, the New York Jets have allowed fewer points this season, and we're stuck questioning the direction of the franchise. Welcome into Finsider Radio, and Josh... I don't know how I could make that sentence, that sequence sound any more bright, joyful than it already is. But how are you doing today, my friend? Uh, I mean, I was doing miserable before. Now I'm even doing worse. <laughs> I mean, I think we told people to, you know, take a step back. We don't have to push the panic button quite yet. Uh, I think, Jake, it might be time to push the panic button after what we saw yesterday. It's such a 
ridiculous thing for us to think that the Brian Flores way, the system, I mean, they, they'd be able to straighten things out, especially this early, especially against the quarterback who had two broken ankles looking like Tommy Pickles out there. Uh, but Josh, let's just kind of jump right into it. We're going to try to run through this pretty quickly. We know it wasn't the greatest game. Uh, we know we got some kind of garbage time stuff to talk about at the end. But Josh, the first and foremost, the biggest theme of this game that stood out to me, Carson Wentz, he threw just eight incomplete passes. Josh, when we were talking pregame about what the X factors may be, we kind of said that the Dolphins defense was the best unit that was going to be on the field Sunday. Carson Wentz proved that wasn't the case. He missed just eight passes. He threw two touchdown passes. And Josh, it was a pretty rough situation for what seemed to be Dol- the Dolphins' strongest unit. Now it's not really looking like that. No, Jake, and maybe this goes, you know, maybe we should have had a little bit more uh, respect, I guess, for Carson Wentz and kind of remember the type of quarterback that he was at one point. I mean, yes, he was Tommy Pickles. But, oh, we're so low. Uh, yeah. We're so low yeah. if we got to say respect Carson Wentz. <laughs> I, I, mean, I mean, I think it was more so that maybe us as a fan base were just down no, yeah, and, right. and thought, you know, okay, Carson Wentz is, you know, bottom of the barrel and this and that. And, you know, he went out there and he he managed the game well. And it's kind of easy to do when you do have a uh, running back playing as effective as Jonathan Taylor Thomas was. Averaged 6.4 yards per carry. Uh, had that 38-yard carry to start the second half, which was the biggest play for the Colts this season, of course. But, you know, when you have Carson Wentz playing well, Jake, keeping, uh, you know, t- taking what the defense is giving him, finding those tight ends that had so much success, finding a Michael Pittman who, you know, maybe we should have been, again, more concerned about than we were. You couple that with Jonathan Taylor did. I mean, it made the day extra difficult for the Miami Dolphins, and it really just didn't seem like the Dolphins' defense ever got a good handle on the whole situation from the start of the game to the finish. You could have just said it was the whole Dolphins' defense, Josh, because, I mean, we can look right at Xavier Howard. I think he was targeted six times, and Carson Wentz completed four of his six passes for, like, 78 yards. And to me, I mean, it's all about the should have, would have, could have. I mean, the Brian Flores defense is known for blitzing the quarterback, making quarterbacks uncomfortable. But Josh, all throughout that second half, the Dolphins did nothing in terms of pressuring Carson Wentz. I think they only had two sacks in the game. But, you know, I think about that Mo Alley Cox touchdown. I mean, there was four only four guys coming in. It just seemed like that the Dolphins, we expected them to kind of return and keep the blitzing and the penalties would clean themselves up, with the, which they did. But then the identity, they decided to completely change it, which the previous identity would have, it seemed like it would have worked so much better than, you know, letting Carson Wentz sit back there and only rush for win this defense, you know, Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, Jalen Phillips looked okay. These edge rushers are so, so fast and they're so good at confusing opposing quarterbacks. It seems like the Dolphins didn't test, you know, uh, Carson Wentz at all there yesterday. No, Jake, and I like how you mentioned Mo Ali Cox. I mean, his one touchdown because I mean he was the story of this game. I mean, he was just looked like you can't an play Eric Rowe. No, I mean Eric Rowe was in great position. I mean, but uh, Mo Ali Cox, man. I mean, at the beginning of this game, if you say you know which of those players going to go out there and and feast and have those two touchdowns and and be the difference maker <laughs> in this, I mean, I, I'm sure everyone had Mo Ali Cox. But you mentioned some of the things they were doing early. I mean, Jalen Phillips was getting to the quarterback early on it. So I don't know why they just scaled back some of his reps there. Would have liked to see more from Javon Holland. I mean, uh, I don't know what it is, and we'll talk about the coaching as it gets further but I mean when you came into this matchup we had to like the way the Dolphins defense matched up against a struggling offense of you know the Indianapolis Colts but the difference maker in this entire thing was Jonathan Taylor and I don't know about you Jake but it just added uh, it was like adding salt to an injury when you saw Noah Igbenogany once again being inactive thinking about Jonathan Taylor just being one of those running backs you know among a crowd of them you know Najee Harris this year uh, CEH DeAndre Swift we went on every podcast we'll talk about it but um, you know to see him go out there and have that success 6.4 yards per carry I mean 
I thought they could have, you know, utilized him even more than they did. But it was mm -hmm. just, um, you know, I, again, I don't know how the Dolphins, you look at the PFF grades, you look at some of these different things and how well Christian Wilkins is playing. These guys are playing very good up front, but they're also allowing all these yards on the ground. So I really can't put my finger on what the issue is, but it, it was a long day for a Dolphins defense. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor only got 16 carries. Uh, they gave Marlon Mack another 10 carries for 22 yards. I don't know why the Colts did that when Jonathan Taylor was running the ball so well. And you mentioned those big plays. I mean, that looked exactly like the Zach Moss run. Uh, or he might have even been Singletary. I tried to block out that Bills game as fast as possible. But it was the same thing on that touchdown run where it just kind of knocked the wind out of the game, Josh. Because when you think about it, the Colts didn't pass midfield until there were five minutes left in the first half. And that only happened because of a Brennan Scarlett penalty and on an offsides, which I don't understand how you can even let that happen. But and then you think about the Dolphins, a team that wants to wither away opponents. You think about the sun. That is exactly what the Colts did to the Dolphins. They just kind of kept running it down their throats and there was nothing that the Dolphins could do. And once Jonathan Taylor got going and really kind of imposed his will, then you see Carson Wentz come out and start to complete passes and the offense kind of feeds off the, the passes and the runs. And it's kind of mind boggling that there can also be an offense out there that has synergy because what we've seen from the Dolphins is the exact opposite. And Josh, just watching Jonathan Taylor, I mean, we spoke podcast after podcast about warming up to the idea when the Dolphins were flirting with Aaron Jones and this running back group just really, really has not gotten the job done, especially when you look at what Jonathan Taylor can do to a Carson Wentz on the other sideline. No, Jake. And I mean, I guess that was the biggest, the most, one of the most baffling things was to see this game start out right away with Malcolm Brown being, you know, the, the starting running back. And I, I know that a lot of us have Miles Gaskin in fantasy, but even from a bigger perspective, I mean, we keep saying how he needs to get more touches. They need to kind mm -hmm. of, you know, utilize him to open up that passing game. I mean, I don't know about you, man, but as soon as Malcolm Brown was out there, I was scratching my head. Um, you know, he played 67% of the snaps. Again, he didn't have much success. Uh, for whatever it's worth, PFF had him as the Miami Dolphins' highest-graded pass blocker, Malcolm Brown with an 81.5. So, you know, when you factor that in... Chris Grew Gem right there, baby. <laughs> yeah, Chris Grew Gem. So when you, fa you factor that into how the offensive line has struggled, maybe it makes sense to have Malcolm Brown in there for help with pass protection. But I don't know why he's getting some of these. Uh, I don't know why he's getting the rock. And I have no idea why he's starting, Jake. Yeah, he got eight carries and he got a hefty 2.9 yards per out of it. Josh, Jacoby Brissett ran the ball more times than Miles Gaskin. Brissett ran it three times to Gaskin's two. And Gaskin right there with uh, Malcolm Brown with a hefty, hefty yards per carry total at 1.5. And then Salvan Ahmed topped them both with three carries for a total of one yard, Josh. And I mean, this is a Colts defense that is incredibly banged up. This is a Colts defense the Dolphins should have been able to take advantage of. Derrick Henry had 113 yards against the Colts. The Dolphins don't have anyone close to Derrick Henry, but hear me out. The Rams cracked 100 rushing yards as a team against the Colts, and they didn't have their best running back who they lost for the year during training camp. And then you also had Chris Carson run for 91 yards on 16 carries against the Colts. But Josh, the Dolphins proved they deserved this loss. I mean, there are just a lot of head-scratching decisions, starting maybe from the prep during the week to in-game adjustments. There was just a lot of things going wrong for this team. There was. And I mean, defensively, we kind of can sit here and you put our fingerprint on it. But offensively, Jake, I mean, my God, yep. it's just been an absolute disaster. I mean, we'll talk about the, the three headed coaching staff. Maybe it was even more than that. You know, maybe they gave someone else an opportunity to call plays. But I mean, it has just been a disaster, Jake. And when you have your offense not being able to sustain the run, not being able to go out there and really be a factor in a passing game. I mean, isn't that why the Colts did what they did? I mean, they didn't have to worry about, you know, those big plays, because let's be honest, Cody Brissett's not even seeing them develop downfield. And they didn't really have to worry about the run game, because like you said, 
Brissett, Brissett outrushed um, Miles Gaskin. So I, I don't understand it, Jake. I think, you know, this offense is much worse than we ever expected. And a lot of that has to go with our third down efficiency. I'm looking at the numbers right now, Jake. And while the defense played better, only allowing 40% of third down conversions, the offense is only converting three of 11. So that's 27.3%. They did convert two of two on fourth downs, but I feel like when you're down at the goal line and how many times, Jake, have we been down there where the play calling just makes no sense early on. And then we're getting in those yep. fourth down situations and having to make those plays and are having to see Jacoby Brissett run in there, you know, while things part. So I really can't put my finger on this, Jake, but you know, before a lot of people wanted to say, um, you know, they kind of pointed the blame at Tua, and a lot of this was Tua's uh, fault. I mean, we're seeing right now this is a whole bigger issue than whether or not Tua Tonvaloa is a one-read quarterback or, you know, it's an RPO or this or that. I mean, this offense is in shambles, and it's just concerning because I would think, okay, maybe they hand the duties to Charlie Fry, but, you know, you're starting to hear rumblings that Charlie Fry might have something to do with what's going on right now. So uh, I don't think we'll ever truly know who's at fault, but what we do know is this offense is, you know, direct correlation to how poorly the defense has played can again be put on that offense because they need to be better at sustaining drives and they got to be better at having success because it's been awful early on. Josh, and you think about, let's say Madden in 2007, when they had the worst thing in the world, that cone, the vision cone, there was a I play where Brissett ended that. up dropping it. They, they dump it off to Malcolm Brown and inside that same vision cone is Jalen Waddle, like 25 yards down the field, wide open. I think it was Devontae Parker on the outside who kind of just took safety with them. Um, it was, I think it was someone at the Miami Herald who shared that play, but, but that was just one example where you start to realize that it's just nothing is working. You know, the offensive play calling isn't helping the receivers. The receivers have drops. Uh, the quarterback can't get the receivers, the ball when they should. It is just such a, you know, a, Log jam of issues that this team has, and it started on the opening drive. Josh, let's be honest here. Uh, Austin Jackson, illegal use of hands, removes a 28 yard completion to Will Fuller on the opening drive that forced a punt. Additionally, Josh, there was a play where Jalen Waddle, I think it was second and six, Jalen Waddle catches the ball and goes out of bounds after a five yard gain. The Dolphins picked up a first down on the following play, but little things like that, you realize that the team isn't 100% focused. I mean, it's a game of inches, and yes, they got the first down, but that's really not the point. You think about the penalties, it just seems like they're not locked in all the time, and when you're not locked in, you're loose, and, and things are going to fall apart. And I mean, that's exactly what we're seeing, and I'm I'm apologizing for myself. I can't really speak on Jake's behalf, but yesterday was an absolute cluster of a game. I'm going to censor that out, and this is going to be a cluster podcast Jake but I mean it's just one of the things that irritated me most was you know after that muff punt I mean they kicked the field goal and then at some point in that game you know we had a chance at a 55 yarder Jake I mean yep. I'm, I'm probably skipping ahead at the rundown here. I don't King. know if I saw nope. it, but what were they thinking I mean and then even yep. at the end of the game I think Flora's comment was they they have this methodical offense and you know we just felt it was best to pin them deep how how was, you know, giving up three points better than pinning them deep in the end zone? I mean, did they expect them to go out there and run that double wide receiver screen for a safety? Did he expect to get <laughs> yes. those two points there? I mean, okay, maybe them, but Jake, I just could not understand that. And then at the end of the game, to sit there and say you had faith in your kicker and all the confidence in the world, but to say it was methodical to give up three points or even attempt that to pin them deep. I mean, yes, it was down at the one yard line. You have to give Polarity credit for that. And uh, my, Matt Collins with this crazy little dance, but dude, that shit is crazy. And it, there's just no answer for it. It just goes back to the dolphins playing conservative and being scared. They're playing scared. And that's, that's Jay where the fault. Jason lies. Sanders is the fourth highest paid kicker in the league. Josh, this Breach. is a team that has put so much faith into this kicker to have him go out there just to take a delay. A game is absolutely mind boggling. And you're at home. And yes. You're at home, and Josh, more importantly, they pin him in deep. The Colts punt, 
the Dolphins answer with a punt of their own, and then the Colts score a touchdown. I mean, it, that's where you have to look that's at so these Dolphins. things. I tweeted it. I would have, I, after that first field goal, I was like, all right, seven more of these, and we'll finally be in a game. And the Dolphins didn't even want to kick field goals. It was the same thing in that Buffalo game. I, I understood them going for fourth down opportunities there. But, I mean, you have this great kicker. You need to have some faith. He can get that Justin Tucker 63-yarder that you don't expect to give your team some momentum. That's why you make him such a – highly paid kicker. That was such a confusing play call to me, Josh. And that's kind of the thing, you know, we're going to sit here and point at players making mistakes. And then there are just some coaching decisions where you're just like, what on earth is going on? Specifically, Josh, the Dolphins recovered that muff punt. They pushed the turnover streak to whatever, 27. It doesn't really matter when you're one and three. They give Malcolm Brown the ball with a two-yard reception They go to Adam Shaheen on third down, a third and three. There was no chance on that play. You could tell right away that Shaheen just had little, you know, the success rate was non-existent there. Shaheen played 38% of snaps. Malcolm Brown played 67% of snaps. And Durham Smythe played 40% of snaps. And all I have to ask, Josh, is is why isn't Mike Kosicki involved? This is a guy who was not targeted until there were less than two minutes left in the half. Smythe and Shaheen both got targets before the top tier tight end on this team. One of the offensive coordinators used to be the tight ends coach. There are so many things pointing to why Mike Gusecki is the, one of the biggest parts of this offense and how well he can help the offense really move the sticks and get into the end zone. But for some reason, he has just not been a part. And both the last two weeks, Josh, they get him involved late. They get Devontae Parker involved late and they're able to kind of put something together. Yes, it's garbage time, but I mean, when you're not throwing to your top guys, I mean, how do you expect to score points? I mean, Adam Shaheen's your third string tight end. Durham Smythe is your blocking tight end. The Dolphins, it seems like they're trying to outsmart themselves with their usage of tight ends, which is concerning, especially when you consider how great that unit was last year. Yeah, and it's really concerning. And maybe, you know, I mean, I'm going to make excuses here, but maybe it is some of that pass protection and things like that. I mean, we said that might be while Malcolm Brown start. You know, maybe that's why, like you said, a Smythe or Shaheen are getting some of those reps, but it still doesn't make sense. I mean, when you have that playmaker, you know, when you realize how much different and I don't want to say game changing because his price tag might go up, but I mean, Mike Kosicki is a very good pass catcher in the league and he is a mismatch maven and the way the Dolphins have utilized him is absolutely frustrating. Yeah. Jakey threw Devontae Parker out there. I mean, that's the same way. I mean, uh, we talked about a little bit how he might be the unicorn of this group. I mean, this guy is a bona fide number one wide receiver. When you see him in those mismatches, I mean, he goes up there and gets the football. He makes those plays that you expect out of your yeah. dominant, uh, I mean, quote unquote, number one. wide. And they're receiver. not easy plays. Like we no. shouldn't expect most receivers to make these plays. I I mean, there's maybe 10 guys in the league who will do it. And, but that's like what, what they have in him. I, I just wanted to clarify. That, no, yeah, for Go sure. On. And that is exactly what they have in. And that's why, you know, when you see those one-on-one matchups, when you see those chances, you need to take them. And again, I don't know why they just start to open things up later in the game. Maybe it's a play calling thing. You know, maybe at some point they say, okay, well, you're not calling plays anymore. It's We now need to get a spark with you. I don't know, Jake. Again, we might never know. But to not get Mike Gesicki more involved, to not get Devontae Parker more involved. I mean, we saw Jalen Waddle, man. Jalen Waddle had three catches, uh, three, three catches for 33 yards earlier in that game. And I think he had a long of 18 once he broke off that yep. big play i don't think they even target him after that i mean maybe the defense, one target after that maybe the, yeah, maybe the defense took some of that away but at the end of the day i mean i just think it was more percent not letting those routes develop and honestly yep. not seeing it again it was that aj feely vision code but um uh, again i think you know while we're sitting here again pointing the finger well, no, now we are pointing the finger right at the coaching staff, aren't we, in their usage? And I think that is kind of the, the right approach, at least from offense. But then that all stems back to Brian Flores. And is he capable of fixing the offensive unit? I don't know if he is, Jake. And I mean, that might be, 
that might be what ultimately sends him packing, as painful as that is to say. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Josh, I just want some urgency, some effort. And I think that's kind of why I'm trying to ride with guys like Gasicki and Parker. Because going back to that Shaheen play where uh, I think he was running a seam right down the middle. I mean, he was bracketed by a linebacker and was kind of just pushed. And nope, nope, that, that ball's not going to you. I mean, these are two guys who put their bodies on the line in, in Parker and Gasicki. They're going to do what they have to to get the first down. They're not going to go up. Oh, darn, you know, I missed it. Move on to the next down. I mean, they're going to fight tooth and nail. And that's just something we're not seeing from a lot of the Dolphins. And I think that does start with the coaching staff. Uh, it's it's a frustrating thing, especially Josh going back to Jalen Waddle. Uh, he has that first play where, you know, it, it kind of bothered me. The, the second and six, he goes for five yards. But then for the first time ever, Josh, with those two receptions, he was catching him near the first down marker and then making a guy miss. I said a lot to myself. It's finally, we finally have Waddle being Waddle. It looks like he's confident. It's looking like he knows the speed and the talent he has where he can make someone miss. So what the Dolphins do is they target him one last time this game, and, and that is it. Uh, also, Josh, I want to bring up that two was pulled in worse games, and this is something I tweeted. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I thought Reed Sinet would have a better game. What it means is I'm just praying that I wish this team would do something to show, like, we need there's some urgency with these guys, everyone all of a sudden is competing for their job. I don't think anyone is safe all of a sudden. And to see them just kind of keep rolling over and try the same move to have Jakeem Grant have one reception for negative eight yards. I mean, that, that shows a team that, that it doesn't feel the heat that should, that they should be feeling. Yeah. And again, I don't know what it is, you know, maybe all these rumors that continue to circulate and all these different things, maybe there's, there is some tension, obviously, in the locker room, but I don't understand, Jake. You can go off about him going short of that first down and his first catch. I mean, uh, I think I was a little upset, too, when Waddle you know, it's ran out. It's nitpicky, but, like, it's it's still just one of those things we've seen in these first four weeks of those mental errors that, like, the Dolphins won 10 games last year by having none of those, by being so locked in every week, and that's what we thought the Brian Flores vision was. Yeah, and that's, what I guess, what's so frustrating. And again, I got to tip my hat to you or at least give you credit because, you know, every time we'd stay here and get excited and, again, get one step ahead of ourselves, you would say, you know, well, how is this any different than Adam Gase? So, um, yes, you know, we're nitpicking, but you want to see more. You offense see- is the same right now. Yeah. The o- oh, man. Yeah, the offense might actually be well, – I'm not going to say worse, but yeah, – uh, <laughs> you, you might be right, though. You might be right. We won't say it, but acknowledge it. Yeah, Jake, and I just want to throw it out there. Will Fuller, I guess, did sustain a, a hand injury. It sounds like I think they're going to do more tests on that. So who knows his status? But cool. even when that happened, Jake, you're just sitting there like, okay, really? Oh, another Will Fuller injury. Are, are we really surprised? The Jakeem Grant thing, I must have missed that because <laughs> that was just so frustrating when I went back and saw the highlight of that. That is exactly why we wanted to send him straight to the moon way back when. He had the muff pump and then that, that reception, the shovel patch. I mean, everybody in the world knows it's coming, especially like when you see Durham Smythe and you see Adam Shaheen and most of the time they're running the football and then the Dolphins try to think, well, they think we're going to run the football. So let's throw it to our guys who are going to catch it for two yards and get tackled. I, it's Again, it just kind of seems like they're outsmarting themselves. And then the Colts go on, they score on each side of the half. And that's really where the game uh, quickly became out of hand, Josh, the clock management, 
before half was horrible. The Dolphins were using timeouts just to let Jacoby Brissett get sacked at the end of the half. Brissett later in the game gets the ball away just by yeeting it at the ground. And before he just launched it into the ground for a fumble, I had enough time to say throw it away about six or seven times to myself out loud. Uh, so that there is concerning. Yeah, Jake, one of the things I really want to throw out there, and it was kind of funny, but I took a picture of it. And at one point, Jonathan Taylor had 110 yards and Miami's offense total had 74 yards. And I mean, that was just, you know, the story of the day, just the Dolphins, um, I guess, too little, too late. And again, I just think the biggest disappointment of it all is that we knew that this had to be the back game. We said they had to come in here and and lay the wood. They got their ass kicked, but, you know, they did it while remembering Don Shola in the white throwbacks. I mean, yes, he was a Baltimore Colt, but I mean, it felt like it was just a kick right in the face. And, you know, maybe that's yep. what the Dolphins need moving forward. But when they got the Tampa Bay Bucks coming to town, I, I I don't know if it, I don't know, man. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. We're a quarter of the way through the season and we're going to go through some final thoughts and I'm going to end with a positive one. This has been all doom and gloom and it, as it should be. I mean, that was absolutely embarrassing. Uh, the quotes afterwards were absolutely embarrassing. Uh, Jakeem Grant, absolutely embarrassing. That's one of my final thoughts. Uh, and Josh, when I was watching the four o'clock games, I realized, this season isn't about winning the AFC East. It isn't about making the playoffs. Those goals are fantastic to have, and the Dolphins have them. But the Dolphins need to have a better record than the 49ers because of the draft picks that were traded. The Dolphins have uh, the 49ers pick. They traded away their own. So if the Dolphins have end up being like a top 10 worst team in the league, get a top 10 pick, and that pick is an Eagles pick, and we have San Fran's that's like 25th, I don't know how this – how this organization keeps everything in place. And this is way too early. This is about as deep in the doom and gloom I'm going to go. But if this team wins like four games, three games, I don't think that's going to happen. If that's the case, I want to plant my flag in the ground right now and say, if the Dolphins are one of the worst teams in football, give me Kellen Moore. Give Jake Kellen Moore. I'll throw, I'll throw a name out there at the end. But Jake, I mean, I think, again, the biggest thing that's so frustrating to me is just over three years, the offense has not gotten better, yep. you know, and you brought in. It's gotten worse. Statistically, yeah, it's, it's, it's gotten, worse. gotten worse. And instead of bringing in a coordinator, for whatever reason, we come bring in an outsider. They promote it from within. And it just looks it looks like there's no focus. And it's just a testament to your head coach, man. And I think, you know, while we sit here, I think the biggest thing to me is I realize, you know, everyone wants to trade for Deshaun Watson. This thing is much bigger than Deshaun Watson. I don't know that he's going to come in here and turn this offense around. Yes, they'd be much better because he's a talented player. But again, we won't get into that. Josh, I do want to ask, would you, is this crazy if I was to ask you if you would trade a second round pick for Saquon Barkley? Would that be crazy? No, I, I mean, I think Again, my biggest concern would be that the Dolphins might not know how to utilize him when he gets here. And, you know, Malcolm Brown would still be starting over him. But I do think a game changer like that could be the difference. (laughs) And, you know, I guess maybe that's why it's so frustrating to just sit here and say, you know, oh, all we need is this running back. You know, all we need is this play caller because we've been doing it for so long. So I just want to see more, Jake. I want to see someone take accountability for this offense because it's not just the players. It's more so the coaching. And I just, again, it goes back to Brian Flores, and I just don't know if he can turn it around where the next step is because you mentioned Kellen Moore, but I'd love to keep Brian Flores, but how many times have you brought in a a GM? You know, they have to get rid of Chris Greer in this situation. They bring in a GM and, you know, you patch him with a head coach and it just doesn't work out. So I feel like as much as I want to put pin the blame on Chris Greer and say, get rid of him by doing that, you got to get rid of Brian Flores. And in that point, you know, um, we're in that same cycle, Jake. And I don't know if you saw that tweet, but I want to throw that out there because it was just hilarious. Someone posted this meme and it starts with the Dolphins get a new coach GM. Then they have a mediocre start. Then they beat New England somehow. Then they miss the playoffs. Then they draft high players. Then they make compelling roster moves. Then they lose to bottom feeders. And then there's a regime change. And it's just over and over. It's the nonstop Mm -hmm. cycle. And that's what we're going through. So you planned your flag on Kellen Moore. If I have to pick an offensive 
guru and it's not Joe Brady, I, I would go with uh, Eric Bieniemy. He was kind of that guy I really wanted back when Flores, you know, when we first approached Flores, I would stick it with Eric Bieniemy. But again, he's probably headed to USC or somewhere. And that is we're two we are the carriage is so far in front of the horse here that is like the the darkest of the dark scenarios oh, we're getting closer we are getting closer i mean we we were on the other side of the fence i thought at least last week i'm starting our you know, foot is on the water yeah. yeah we're getting ready to push that panic button pretty damn soon especially you're 100 right josh and i don't think the bucks game is the panic i think it's going to be like what joe philbin had are they is the somebody going to be left in london Jackson is somebody going to be damn. left in london but Tua's coming back. I think that's going to be the – if there's ever been a get-right week, that's going to be it. Uh, Josh, my little glimpse of hope for the Bucks game, since we were so negative, I, I got to throw this out here. The Patriots were 7-for-7 seven seven when targeting Richard Sherman, and the Bucks defense, the secondary, looks absolutely brutal. If the offensive coordinators can solve the hardest problem in the world, and that's throw the ball to Mike Gusecki and Devontae Parker, I legitimately think the Dolphins might have a shot. I think it has to be a gross shootout. I think you have to say to Jacoby Brissett, if you throw three interceptions, you throw three interceptions, and you hope that Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, these guys can get them. Um, Because that secondary, the Dolphins aren't going to be able to run the ball. They can't run the ball. I think the Patriots, I see negative two rushing yards on the day. I saw some (laughs) crazy number about how bad the the Patriots running – backs were against the Bucks, and I'll tell you this the Dolphins won't be any better so if all the offensive coordinator firepower in the world can't uncover the fact that Mike Kosicki and Devontae Parker might have some major matchups next week then we can start getting really concerned but that's my glimpse of hope I think the matchup is there for the Dolphins to uh punch some air next week I guess I'll say that (laughs) To not lose by three touchdowns is what you meant to say, Jake. Um, yeah, you know, exactly. You try to leave us on a bright note, but uh, Ian Rappaport just tweeted uh, from NFL now, Dolphins' Will Fuller broke a finger in Sunday's loss and is expected to be week to week. So uh, Will Fuller's out. You know, you can take a shot if that's one of those things or, or you got bingo maybe, but I just don't know, man. I just think, you know, if they didn't come out firing on all cylinders against the Colts or, you know, feeling a little bit You're of, right. you know, back against the wall, why are they going to do it the this week mass. in Tampa? I mean, I, I just don't get it. You're I mean, right. Those are the reasons. Go out there and take chances. And but wouldn't it be so, Dolphins? You lay these would, eggs and would, then you yeah, go to, to, to somehow Tampa beat, and beat the, the Bucks. Yeah, it would be so. I think there's a couple of tweets so out, out there. Like I have one where like they they lost the two bad teams. I'm like they're gonna beat the Titans and Steelers, and, and, then and they, they ended the, up doing it. Or something. And then they beat the Bucks, and we're all saying, "Oh, we're gonna see you again in the Super Bowl, bitches." You know, that's just how Dolphin fans are. <laughs> and then they lose in London, and everyone's fired. <laughs> yep, and then we're right back. Fire Flores, and you know, um, we're here for it. That's what our podcast Hamster is, wheel, man. Just that, going over and over. That's, and that's what our podcast is, guys. Look forward to it for sure. <laughs> That is all we have. Josh, I'm so happy we got to end this laughing because things are miserable, but it seems to be that everyone's on the same page that everything sucks and everything's the worst. So let's be the worst together. Let's laugh about it and have some fun. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know the Dolphins aren't the greatest team to talk about, to read about, but here we are. We're going to keep doing it. We hope you guys continue riding with us. Uh, For the Jake and Josh show, my name is Jake Bendel, Joshua House. We'll talk to you next time. And most importantly, fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins.
football team. We drink the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami.